This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, CLC. Uh, Pastor Tom sends his greetings and his prayer. Thank you. I got one shout in the back. Hallelujah to that baby. He, uh, he sends his greetings to you and his prayer. Um, he's preaching at a missions convention out in uh, Lehigh Acres. And so he asked if I would speak, um, bring the message this morning um, today to you. Pastor Candy is here with us, the first lady of the house. So I'm in good company. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, today's message is a... Um, it's a very important message. I think all the messages that we, we bring forth um, from this platform um, are important messages. Um, but we have a challenge in the body of Christ, the church namely, that we must address. Um, it is it's causing us to be feeble as believers, as sons and daughters of God. It's causing the church to be apathetic because we have an issue with what we're going to be discussing today. And so we're going to really dig in. Let me just tell you that there's a lot of scripture today. And so because we won't have time to read all of them, I want to encourage you just kind of jot them down. If you just want to see, well, what is she talking about? And you want to be like the Bereans and they just went back and they studied what Paul was talking about and they unpacked what Paul was talking about. I encourage you, those in this room and those that are watching online to do that. And we're called to be students of the word of God. We're called to never get to that place where we have arrived, but we're constantly searching the scriptures to see what is the spirit of the Lord saying to us as a church and to us individually. We just came out of a, um, a six-week sermon series, and I, and I already feel that this mic is, is doing some weird stuff, so um, um, if I need to, I'll just jump on over to the the handheld microphone if it's becoming a a disruptance to us. Um, But we just, we we came out of a six-week sermon series, which was a very vital sermon series to us at Christian Life Center called Fight. Yeah. I think one of the most profound and the best um, series, spiritual growth campaign series that we've done at CLC, we looked at the fight that we have as believers. And that fight, number one, is with the enemy. We have a fight against him. He's an opposer, an accuser of the brethren, is he not? And so he comes to accuse us. He comes to oppose us. And so we have to put up, a, um, um, we have to stiff arm him, him. We have to put up a blockade against him and not be um, deceived by his cunningness. But we also have another fight. We have a fight against the world, the systems of this world. That comes to lure us into his habits, his patterns, his behaviors, to have us adopt its lifestyle and not live the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. So we have that fight. But we also have a fight within ourselves. This thing called the flesh, the Adamic nature, that yes, we're saved, but we also, we live in this earthen vessel. And this earthen vessel wants to do what it wants to do, when it wants to do, how it wants to do. It has a will of its own that must be debased. 
And so we must fight against that so that we can walk out the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at things like envy and covetousness and and selfish ambitions and the like. And I believe we were presented with much clarity on the scriptures where it concerns our fight. We were to look at the challenges in the church today, big C in America, it will not be access to the word of God. That is not our challenge. We have much access to the word of God. We have libraries that has the word of God. We have the internet that has the word of God. And we also have our devices that has the word of God. So an access to the word of God is not our challenge. Yes, we have challenge with a decrease in moralization, a decrease in um, 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 spirituality as far as certain things that we're wrestling with. We have a decline um, in morality, political divide, racism, prejudice, secularization. We have these things, but that is not the real issue of the church in America. The biggest issue that we face in the church in America is that many who attend church have no idea who God is. You hear that, right? So um, I'm just going to scoot on over because I got to preach this message today, guys. So we're going we gonna, to we gonna get this right. So the church in America, we have many that attend church that don't know who God is. They may know about God, but they do not know God. If they did, we wouldn't have... A, the political divide in the church like we do. We wouldn't have an issue with racism and mistreating our brother and sister because of the color of their skin. We would know how to love our neighbor as ourselves. We wouldn't choose ideology over theology if we knew who God was. And the list goes on. When we don't know who God is, we have behaviors, habits, carnality, and the pri- those things become primary over God. God becomes something that we do for an hour and a half on a Sunday. Something that we tune into online for an hour and a half on a Sunday. And that is because we do not know who God is. Here's the data to support what I'm talking about. George Barna, a trusted poster, he does um, surveys and um, data uh, among the church for many, many, many years. He just came out with this survey, um, um, a post that was done. And here's what the survey said. He surveyed the churches across America. He says nearly 60% of Americans who regularly attend Christian churches, that means regular means they don't just attend for Christmas and Easter. They attend on a regular basis. Nearly 60% of them says there is no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say that the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. 60% does not believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is significant. Because if they do not understand who the the Holy Spirit is, they will not understand God in his totality. How we're saved, how we are transformed, the mission that Christ has given to us as the church, and how to pull that off. You cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me today? To say I know God the Father, God the Son, but but I don't think much about the Holy Spirit is an insult to the Godhead. 
to peg him as an impersonal force or a mystical symbol or an energy is to not truly know God himself. Oh yes, we may have terminologies about him, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We may know that he's mentioned in a benediction prayer. We may even know of him by, you know, mentioning him just before a person is baptized and submerged into water. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the... Okay, so we may know that aspect of him, but we miss the fact that he is the third person of the Godhead. To add to that, some people have made him creepy, ghost-like, weird. They do certain things right. They do certain things that are just outside of scripture and orthodoxa, um, 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 the word of God. And they do stuff that's outside of that. And they said, I was, I was under the impression. I was under the spirit. No, you weren't. You were in the flesh. And so when the people see Christians just doing weird things and you're pegging it to to the Holy Spirit, they want to have nothing to do with that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit is a, a tongues or dreams or visions or prophecy. I'm talking about the third person of the triune Godhead. And yes, he does some things. And yes, he gives us gifts, but he's more than a gift. We must understand who he is as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And to understand that they are distinctly one, yet they're distinct in their attributes. And we must submit our hearts to that understanding. And the more we understand that, church, who he is in our lives, the more we understand that, the more we can experience what he desires to do in and through our lives then we can walk out what it means to be truly sons and daughters of God and we can tap into the arsenal that has been made available to us to transform us, to sanctify us, to make us victorious image bearers of God. Can I get an amen? Okay, so I told Melissa this morning that I wasn't going to shout. That's what I said. I said, this not, you know, I always say that, right? I'm just not going to shout. I'm just going to talk. Okay, yeah, let's see how that goes. Today, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, the forgotten God. It's the name of this uh, title of the sermon today. I want us to perhaps meet him for some of us, maybe for others to get reacquainted with him, and maybe for others is just a reminder of who he is, God, the Holy Spirit. Can we do that today? Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that we get to come in here and experience your presence. Lord, across the airways, we get to experience your presence. Lord, we thank you that you did not leave us as orphans. You are with us and in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. I ask, oh, Father, illuminate our hearts today to receive your word Cause your word to leap off pages and devices and attach itself to the four corners of our hearts and of our minds. Transform today, Lord. May this not be another service that we just checked off of our to-do list. 
but cause it to be a fresh encounter as we experience God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, God's people believe that and said, amen, amen, and amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed in the, in the upper room, he had his disciples around him, and um, he began to tell them what was about to happen. He told them that he would be persecuted, that he was about to be tortured, and, and that he was about to die. He told them that he would go into the Father, but he will come back, and he would receive them. He taught them that he was the vine, and they were the branches, and they can do, apart from him, they can do nothing. He mentioned persecution. He said, matter of fact, they are going to hate you because they hate me, is what he told them. The disciples were perplexed, rightfully so. They were discouraged. They were afraid because the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, was telling them that he was about to leave them. And they were expected to carry out his ministry in his absence. I could only imagine the fear that must have gripped those disciples' heart. They could have been sitting there saying, I, this cannot be. I, I can't do it without you, Lord. Have you ever said that? I, 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 I don't know what to do if you're not with me, if you're not here. I, I could imagine the struggle that they were having in that moment. And he ascertained their fear and their struggle and the anxiety that probably was brewing on the inside of them. And at that moment, he begins to teach them about the person of the Holy Spirit. I want us to read John chapter 16. I'm, I'm going to need somebody to do me a favor though. Um, can somebody grab my Bible out of my bag for me, please? Uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. I want us to read verse 5 through 16. I don't know if we have those, the scripture here um, on the screen, but if not, that's all right. Because I'm, I'm a paper Bible kind of girl. I know I could go ahead right here on my device. That's what my husband would say. Welcome to the 21st century. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Um, he would tell me that, but I just like, I like to feel it. I like to, you know, I like hearing the papers turn. Okay. I'm going to read John 16 verses 5 through 16. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. He's about to leave. He's about to be persecuted and die a gruesome death. And his disciples are afraid. And this is what he's about to tell them why it's to their advantage that he leaves them. Okay, John 16, verse 5. Let's, let's do me a favor. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Can we do that? Let's just all stand. I know y'all like, ah, but you know what? At home too. Listen, we're not the only ones standing. People at home and you're... I don't know what you got on, but stand. <laughs> John 16, starting in verse 5. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. 
Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, church, he will guide you into some truth, all truth. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And whatever he will, and, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare to you. Hold on, hold on. John 14. I'm going to go back. John 14. And I want us to look at verses 16 through 19 and then 25 to 26. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be, um, and he dwells in you and he will be with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And then verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Father, illuminate your word. Cause it to pierce our hearts. Holy Spirit, be glorified, not in a room, in our lives. We look to you, Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, God's people believe that and said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Today, we have a full message, and I'm going to try to get through it, but if I don't, for those watching online, they're going to drop you the notes in the comment section. And for those in the room, we're going we gonna to figure it out. We're going to get you your notes. He said to them, it is to your advantage that he leaves. Why? Because Jesus was going to be visibly absent from them so that the Holy Spirit can be invisibly present in them. That's powerful because if, if Jesus is with John in Judea, he is not with Peter in Samaria, the physical Jesus. But the Holy Spirit can be in Judea, Samaria, America, wherever it is because he's omnipresent. Remember, prior to Christ, the Holy Spirit did not indwell people, right? He rested on or came upon individuals to accomplish or a divine task. So, so once the task was done, he was lifted. Or if they grossly disobeyed, he was removed from them. That's why when David sinned with Bathsheba, he prayed, take not your spirit from me, right? When Saul rebelled against God, what did God remove from Saul? His spirit. So when God established an earthly temple, that was the place where his spirit will dwell. Remember the tabernacle, right? 
So that was the place where his spirit his, will dwell. His people, we see that in Exodus chapter 25, excuse me, and 2 Chronicles 7. But when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn in two, Mark 15, 38. God ushered in a new temple for his spirit to dwell. God ushered in a new temple. It's no longer a physical temple, church. So where does the spirit of, of, of God dwell today? In sons and daughters of God, believers in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you, Paul says, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides. He abides in you. And this is why Jesus was saying, it is to your advantage that I leave so that you can have the indwelling presence of God. Not that just that he comes upon you or rests upon you. He abodes you. He tabernacles with you and I. The Holy Spirit is mentioned throughout scripture in various ways. Three ways, right? He's mentioned specifically, subtly, and symbolically. Specifically, for instance, Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit is, is mentioned by saying, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's specifically. Subtly, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, the Lord spoke to Isaiah and Isaiah said that the Lord said to him, go to say to these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. But it's only Paul that tells us that in Acts chapter 28, verse 25, Paul says the person who was speaking to Isaiah was the Holy Spirit. And then there is the Holy Spirit being mentioned symbolically. Now with symbolic mentions, I want us to be careful because yes, he's mentioned symbolically, but it doesn't mean that every time you see one of these symbols, that doesn't mean that it's the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is being mentioned symbolically as wine, it doesn't mean that you're going to guzzle down a bottle of wine and you're going to say, well, I'm drinking the Holy Spirit. No, you're not. You're drinking alcohol. And I'm not saying that that's a sin, but that's exactly what you're drinking. So don't, let's, let's not try to put uh, the Holy Spirit on things that he, he's like, that's not me. Right? So then there's the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's look at his, how he's mentioned symbolically. Wind and breath. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, Acts 2.2. It's also mentioned symbolically as fire. So wind and breath, fire. We see the Holy Spirit displayed symbolically as fire as we read about the baptism in Matthew 3 and Luke 3. The one who comes after me, John says, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, then they appeared to them, divided tongues as a fire, and they sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Third symbol, oil. For Samuel 16, 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Dove, fourth one. In all four gospels, we see that when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And then finally, water, water. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water 
flowing from deep within him. He said this, Jesus said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were going to receive for the spirit had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. John 7, verse 37 through 39. So who is the Holy Spirit? Let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to talk about who's the Holy Spirit and what he does. Okay. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's activity has been around since the beginning, the very beginning. We see this in Genesis chapter one, and we'll get to that in a second, but he didn't just come on the scene at Pentecost in the book of Acts. He's been around for a long time he, from the beginning because he's God. He's the leadership of Moses. He's the strength of Samson. He's the wisdom of Solomon. He's the power behind David and his rock and slingshot. He's the empowering courage of Esther. He's the spirit behind the incarnation of Jesus. He's the baptism of Jesus. He's the power of the ministry of Jesus. He inspired the written word of God that you hold today. He's not an it. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's not an option. He's necessary to the church and to every believer. Can I get an amen? That is the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, Nadine, so who is he? He is God. What does this mean? The scriptures attest to the deity of the Holy Spirit. He's spoken of as God and identified with the title of God. Now we're going to get down into some scriptures. Acts 5, 3 to 4, they should have that on the screen. But Peter said to Ananias, what has Satan why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Okay, this is Peter. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, capital S, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. He's equally associated with the members of the Trinity. You shall baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. He has all the attributes of deity, omniscience, omnipotent, and omnipresent. He's also eternal. How much more would the blood of Christ, Hebrews 9, 14 says, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. So he is God. He's the agent of creation. Whew. I love this. In the beginning, God, God there is Elohim. And the Hebrew translation to English is Elohim. It's the plural name for God. Okay, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim, God, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Genesis 1, 1 to 2. And as we read further, we find that the Spirit of God hovered over the water. And where there was chaos, he began to form as God spoke. Okay, I'm coming, all right? The darkness was filled because of his word. Here we see the Holy Spirit not barely a bystander in the beginning, but an active participant in the creation of all things. The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, 
causing what was formless to come into being. Filling the void, he hovered over the mess and over the chaos. That word hovering is an interesting word. You see, because we read stuff in our English language and we just glance over them. It's, it's like nothing to us, but we got to pause at this word. What does this word hovering mean? It's an interesting word. It means brooding, okay? As in how a bird broods over its eggs with intent of incubation, formation, the birthing of life. Here we see a reference to the dove-like nature of the Holy Spirit fluttering over the face of the deep. You know, he flutters over you and I. He comes in and he puts his wings over. For what? For what? Life. So chaos, because all of us were, chaos could come into formation in me and through me. So what is dark in me? He hovers. He, he flutters over me so that light can be the result of that. He flutters over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit starts to order and make beauty out of chaos. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He arranges so that God's glory might be seen and marveled in, not just in creation, but also in our lives. He's the agent of creation. Whew, it gets better. It gets better. He's the spirit of salvation. He's God, agent of creation. He's the spirit of salvation. John 3, verse 3 to 8. We got to read it because we got to read what the text says. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I think that's a valid question, Nicodemus. Most assuredly, Jesus answered, I say to you, unless one is born, born of water and the spirit, capital S, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Listen, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, can I tell you, you did not get saved because you were raised in a Christian home. You did not get saved because your mammy and your pappy were believers. You did not get saved because you're fourth generation um, 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 Pentecostal believers. You did not get saved because of your own effort or your own will. No, the Holy Spirit showed you your sin. He showed you your depravity and he wooed you. He fluttered over you and wooed you into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is how you entered into the kingdom of God. If you entered a different way, you're not in. Is that too harsh? We, we going let's get into it. I love y'all. I love you guys. 
We didn't get saved because you were raised in a Christian home. It's not according to your own effort and will. You didn't come to the kingdom by force, by effort, because I come from a lineage of believers. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes and you saw your sin and you saw your depravity and you surrendered to the invitation of Christ and you fell on the mercies of God. And that is how all of us who will call ourselves believers enter the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis, a theologian, calls the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. He pursues us. He woos you. Some of you, you weren't even planning on going to church today. Those that are watching online, you weren't planning on tuning in. You were, you know, surfing, clicking, clicking, and you happen to stop. You find yourself getting ready. You were tired. It feels a little chilly out. I just want to stay underneath the black. Who? It, I just want to stay underneath this, but something drew you. Something was nudging you. Something was calling you. And I'm telling you, you're not here today at this service by happenstance. You're here because the flutter of the wings of the Holy Spirit drew you here today. Can I get an amen? He's the spirit of illumination. He knocks on the doors of our hearts and he draws us in to the saving work of Jesus Christ. He is the agent. He is the spirit of salvation. He's the teacher and illuminator of scripture. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. All the theologians in the world that you study. All the great books that we've read from some great authors, theological authors. All of that in the world is not even a drop in the bucket in comparison to the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And he dwells in you. Listen, we, we are not tapping into this Holy Spirit. We don't understand what we have in earthen vessels. We look, listen, and I get it. God anoints people to be teachers and preachers and community. I, I get all of that. But what I'm trying to tell you is we look past the Holy Spirit and we look to man. And the Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus said he will teach you all truth. So when you open up to study the scriptures today, I just wonder what would happen if you would say, Holy Spirit, illuminate to me this word. Help me to understand this word. Give me the revelation. What is it that you're saying here? I wonder what would happen if we invited the Holy Spirit into our Bible studies. Sash. I wonder what would happen to our lives when we don't lean on our own understanding, but we look to the teacher himself. He illuminates the scripture. He's a teacher. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to come and teach you all things. If the Bible is merely an ancient book to you, if you read it and it's like eating a piece of bark off of a tree, and you're thinking this is irrelevant, it's boring, makes absolutely no sense, you either do not have the Spirit of Christ in you, or you're reading the scriptures without depending and leaning on the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that makes the word come alive. It moves it from logos to rhema. It 
causes it to speak. You ever, have you ever gone through that? You've been going through something and you just open the text and bam, it speaks exactly to what you're going through. The Holy Spirit, Paul makes it clear. First Corinthians 2.13, Paul says that God's word cannot be understood by human wisdom. Instead, the Holy Spirit interprets spiritual truths to those who have surrendered their life to God. Life to Christ. Listen, I jumped ahead of myself because this is, this is it. I am, I am shocked sometimes. I, I love the Discovery Channel and all of that. But when they talk about the things of Christ, have you ever listened to them? Like these deep PhD holders, they talk about the, the Bible. And I'm wondering, are we reading the same book? Like the way they talk about the word, it's like it's an ancient text that they use to, to identify old historical information. But when you read it with the heaven's holy highlighter, when the Holy Spirit begins to highlight the word of God and illumine the word of God, what was once ancient old text comes alive. It transforms your heart and your mind. For the kingdom of God, you cannot understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You will read what it says and not understand what it means. It will be information and not revelation that leads to transformation. Can I get an amen? It will be locked up to you. It will be a great book. I will read the Proverbs. Great. Mm-hmm. I read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, mm -hmm. that's great, but it's not meant to be merely memorized, it's meant to transform our lives into the image of Christ, can somebody say amen, without the Holy Spirit, the letter of the book will just be words because it is the spirit that gives it life. He's the author of scripture. The Holy Spirit. He's the author of the scripture. First, second Timothy chapter three tells us that. Therefore, he gives the understanding of, listen, you can memorize Romans all day long. Have it memorized. If it's not leading you into a greater love, you haven't read Romans. You can quote the scriptures all day long, but it do, if it does not lead you to become more like Christ, then it's in vain. The fruit of the illuminating work of the scriptures is that you and I should be looking more like Jesus Christ. Two people are saved. One has been saved for 10, 12, 15 years. The other is saved for one year. The one that has been saved for 12, 10, 12, 15 years, they're arrogant prideful, boastful, judgmental. Here goes this person's been saved for a year and they're forgiving, they're kind, they're being a neighbor, loving their neighbor. What is the difference between the two? I'll tell you what the difference is. One person is reading for information so that they can argue a point. The other person is reading for transformation so that they can be more like Jesus. 
That is the difference. He is the God, the God, one part of the Godhead. He's our teacher, illuminator, the spirit of salvation, agent of creation. He's the the issue, the, the point, the crux of our transformation. He's also the spirit of power in Acts chapter two. He's the spirit of boldness for Peter. He's the sender and appointer. He is the spirit of resurrection in Romans chapter eight. He's the great intercessor. He makes moanings and groanings for you when you don't know how to pray when you don't know what to say the scripture says he makes groans on your behalf that can't even be uttered according to the will of God he's the giver of gifts listen if you have any gifts on the inside of you it's not yours it belongs to him it's not Nadine's gift it's not Pastor Candy's gift they call it the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's the seventh fold spirit of God in Revelation and Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of night, might. The spirit of knowledge. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And he lives in every believer. What are we doing? What are we doing? He left us his spirit you know what we're doing with it fighting each other divided gossip critical judgmental the holy spirit is not into that matter of fact you will grieve him but i'm gonna get to grieve in a minute hold on a second we don't want to get to grieve god help us get through this service he's the prophetic spirit second peter 1 21 he is god and he lives in every believer who comes up underneath his lordship. Okay, what does he do? I understand now that he is God. What does he do? All right, here are some ways that the Holy Spirit desires to interact with your life and my life. He empowers us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. The night Jesus was betrayed, he was handed over and crucified. Remember that? And Peter, who was part of Jesus' inner circle, denies Jesus three whole solid times. He denied knowing him. Luke chapter 22 tells us he didn't deny Jesus to a soldier with a sphere or some kind of weaponry. He denied Jesus to a little girl. Peter denied Jesus out of fear and self-preservation. He wanted to save his skin rather than be identified with Jesus. But after Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit as promised. And this same fearful Peter received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and preached a bold sermon before a mass amount of people that 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. Soon after Peter was thrown into prison, the scripture tells us, and after he didn't deny Jesus at this point, he received him. He took a beating for, for preaching about Jesus. And Peter, how did he respond to his imprisonment and his beating? The scripture says he rejoiced because he was counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. What happened between Peter who denied Jesus with this little girl and Peter who's thrown into prison and beaten and rejoicing over it? What's, what's the difference? The difference is what Jesus told them to wait for in the upper room. You shall receive 
power to do what I've called you to do. Power to engage my mission in the earth. I didn't leave you as orphans. I gave you my spirit. I put my spirit in you and enabling you to do. Yet this empowerment is not reserved for just preachers, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. The Holy Spirit empowers every believer to do. Listen, in, in Exodus chapter 31, we're told that there were men that were working in the temple. And God tells Moses, I'm going to put my spirit on them for them to do craftsmanship. Build wood, chairs, tables. For them to make curtains, linen that will go in the temple. He anoints them for this kind of work. The anointing of the Holy Spirit isn't just for people in the building. Hmm, mm -mm. This anointing is meant to infiltrate our day-to-day -day life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells within every believer. So as a believer, the Holy Spirit is in the business person, the CEO, the entrepreneur, the teacher, the salesperson, the student, the healthcare worker, the state and government worker, the first responders, insurance agent, doctors, lawyers, guest service person, customer care, technician engineer, artist. Listen, this empowerment is for everyone that will believe. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It's not reserved for those who preach the gospel. Matter of fact, when you do your work as unto the Lord, it is preaching a message. Right? It's for sons and daughters. He desires to go with you into your workspace. And so what you do, that talent, that business decision, that problem on the job, you can't figure it out. He, desire, he desires to hover over that. In your classroom, you need wisdom. You need wisdom for the challenge. You need to know the investment to make. He desires to flutter over that. You need creativity. He is creativity. He desires to put his wingspan over that and anoint everything your hand touches. Are you bringing him into your workspace? Are you leaving him on Sunday in a building while you're watching a service online? Then we don't understand what he's here for. He wants to empower what you do. Is Kanata here? I know I heard him. Kanata is a friend of mine. <laughs> he's a friend of mine. Um, and he was sharing with me how he, he, in his job, he's just, um, he's bursting through the roof with, um, his, uh, um, uh, what's the, what's the word? I don't know. Um, the thing, the sales, the things that he's called to do in the job and the sales, his productivity, that's the word I was looking for. And he's bursting through the roof. And so his, his, his employers and his, his coworkers were asking him like, how, how are you doing this? It's not like if you've been doing this for years or you went to school for this, how was it? And he said he had no choice. It's God. God will cause you to produce, to be productive. He will hover over that thing on the job that it marvels your boss. It marvels the owner of the business that they're wondering what is separating this guy? What makes this guy different from all? Isn't that what he said about Joshua and Caleb? They were of another spirit. They weren't like everyone else. God is not wanting you to be like everyone else. He didn't call you to fit in. He called you to stand out. 
I know I said this story, but for those who didn't get it, I'm going to say it again. He comes to empower. I did not go to school for finances. I went to school to be a uh, uh, psychologist. And um, I got arrested. Y'all know the story. And now I'm home and I come to this state. I'm working at a hotel and I like that kind of stuff. People and interacting with people. And, and God calls me out of the hotel industry. He calls me and he gives me a job at this church in the business office. I'm just paying bills. I could do that. I could pay my own bills so I could pay these bills. So I'm doing that. And then he calls me to be the business administrator. I don't know taxes. I don't know clergy taxes. I don't know federal where, where um, um, impacts the church. I, I don't know employee benefit. I didn't go to school for any of that. And God calls me to do it. And I'm saying I remember being in that business office at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning underneath my desk because I did not know what I was doing. Church. He empowers you. I remember sitting up underneath that desk. What am I doing? God help me. I don't know this stuff. I don't know these taxes. They're going to close down this building because I'm going to mess up their, the, the, the paperwork. And the Holy Spirit whispers to me, church, Ephesians 3.20. Listen, y'all think I'm just talking. I got up off the, underneath that table. Now, there was a Bible on the shelf of the bookshelf. And I opened that Bible and I began to read Ephesians and it says, now unto him, not me, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask, think, or imagine, but it doesn't stop there, according to the power that is at work in you. Nadine, I've given you the power. You don't know numbers. I have the one who created numbers living on the inside of you. I got up from that desk. I, I mean, I, I, I'm still like, okay, this is Greek to me, but let me go back to basic math. And I worked my way back and I worked my way forward and I reconciled the bank accounts, the, 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 the payroll. I mean, the whole thing that night. I stayed in that office for 10 years, not having an education in finances, not going to school with a degree in finances. I had the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside. I'm not talking about what I feel. I'm talking about what I know. He empowers you to do what you think you cannot do on your own. I'm here running out of time. Those who are, he put his spirit on our ordinary. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do the task, the assignment that God has invited you into. 
in your work, in your department, as a mother, as a single parent, whatever it is, whatever the challenge is that you're facing, he says, invite me in that space. You're having financial woes? Invite me in that space. You're trying to branch out and it seems like one blockage after another blockage? Invite me into that space. Okay, I got to keep going. He guides us. The spirit of truth will come and he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He guides Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over your progress. You can trust the leading of the Holy Spirit to get you to where God desires you to go. One of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 30 verse 21. And you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk therein. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to go. He says, you will hear a voice behind. The whisper of the Holy Spirit will come. Why? He desires to guide you. Lead you into truth. You can trust his. I don't want to depend on opinions. I don't want to depend on emotions. Why? They're deceptive. I need him to guide me in truth. He will guide you into truth. He transforms us. Let me push this out. He transforms us by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, have an escape from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful nature, sinful desire, excuse me. He grants us this precious work on the inside of us to escape the corruption, transform. One of the Holy Spirit function is to cultivate Christ-like character in you and I. Romans 8.13 says, it is by the spirit that we are able to put to death the deeds of the body. If your base posture is cynicism, you're critical, arrogant, judgmental. That is not the Holy Spirit. And I I, want to assault something for the people who say that's just the way I am. I have a problem with that statement because he says he comes to make us new creation in Christ Jesus. So the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you should no longer identify with the things in you that are not indicative of him. So we must assault. May we never again say out of our mouths concerning something negative, an attitude, a behavior, all these other issues that doesn't align with the spirit of truth. That's just the way I, the devil is a liar. That is not just the way you are. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The spirit of Jesus will not make you overly harsh, critical of everything around you at home, at church, at work, and don't call it discernment. No, it's not. Discernment should be making you more like Jesus, not unlike him. Unless that's not the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Listen, his desire is to invite you on a journey to become more like Jesus Christ. It is a process 
of transformation. It is intentional. What is he doing? He's deconstructing you and reconstructing you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He's chiseling you over time. Well, I, I don't know what does that, what does that look like? I think that's happening in my, not, in my life. I'm just not quite sure. Okay, this is what it looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He will give you his nature. You will know them by their fruit. What I just mentioned is the fruit of the Spirit. Well, how do I know if I'm walking in tune with the Holy Spirit? Do you have love? And not just the people that are lovely. Difficult people. Love, joy. I, all right. I struggle with people that, that are believers and they're just mean. They're just angry all the time. They're just, you don't even want to be around them. They're prickly. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Here, here's the thing. You possess all of these. As a believer, at one time, it's not that you can't, you don't have patience. You do. The Holy Spirit places it inside of you. You just choose not to act out patiently. That's what's happening here. So all of these things as believers, you have, you possess inside of you right now. You're just not walking it out. You will know them by their fruit. The scripture says. Transformation. He comes to, to make us more like Christ. So when I am stuck in my flesh, the Holy Spirit comes and with power to set me free from that attitude, from that behavior, from that mindset, from that addiction, from that stronghold, from that mental bondage, from my past brokenness. There's no stuckness in your life that the Holy Spirit cannot free you from. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with therapy. Hear my heart. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Christian counseling. There is room for that. And God will use that. And they should ask the Holy Spirit to come into their work environment as well. So I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this book is filled with people that were marred, that were broken, that were angry, that were dark, and everything in between. And the Holy Spirit hovered over their lives and transformed it for the glory of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does to each and every one of us. Okay, I, I, I got to gotta push on. He guides us. He empowers us. He helps us. Right? No, no, no. I got, I got to say he convicts us. I got to say he convicts us. I'm, I'm going to do this real quick. But when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit, in order for him to make you more like Christ, he convicts you of sin. The word convicts means... To convince someone of the truth, to reprove, to refute, to cross-examine. There are two feelings we can feel before we sin and after we sin. One is conviction. The other is condemnation. Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is of the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit prompting you to confess. It restores a fellowship with God. In right standing. Condemnation, however, is from your enemy. It tries to convince you that God will never forgive you. That, is, that this is it for you. Its purpose is to keep you feeling guilty. And not draw you into the heart of God. Conviction is your best friend. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit opens up your eyes to the sin and open your heart and offers you grace. 
Conviction is God saying, I have something better for you. Would you yield to it? So if you're being drawn closer to God, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you sin and you mess up and you run away from God, that is condemnation. Resist the devil and cause him to flee. All right, he helps us. I'm, I'm going to close with this. He helps us. He helps us. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you all things into remembrance. Nevertheless, John 16, 7 says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Greek word for helper is parakletos. It means one who's called to come alongside, to help. It also means an intercessor, an assistant, one who pleads the case on another's behalf. The role of the Holy Spirit is all-encompassing. He is our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor, strengthener, standby. He's our helper. Are you feeling overwhelmed with life? You've got challenges before you and you don't even know head from tail of it. You're struggling in your family, in your marriage, with your child, in your health. You got a situation on the job. You feel like the things that's before you, you just cannot manage. The weight of life is crushing you. And everything is, is causing you to just feel stuck. He said, I did not leave you as an orphan. I sent my helper. He comes to help you. We must rely on him. Isn't he said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. We're trying to walk out the Christian journey in our own strength. We depend on our own knowledge, our book studies, and I, I'm not disagreeing with school. I, I'm in seminary, so I get it. But sometimes we, we put that at the forefront and we depend on that and we disregard the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. We, we depend on human knowledge. We depend on culture. Holy Spirit wants to lead, wants to guide, wants to cultivate God's truths in our lives. Listen, no theological hierarchy, no church, no pastor, no seminary can give you and be for you what the Holy Spirit gives and is in your life and in my life. He's your helper. I do want to say something. You know, we can, we can operate without him and don't even know it. You remember when Jesus' and parents were in Jerusalem and they were without Jesus for three days? Had no clue. Remember Samson, when he went to um, throw off the, the, the fetters like before? And he had not realized... There was no Holy Spirit. We can tend to operate in our own flesh, in our own talents, in our own abilities, and we disregard it. And here's the difficult thing about the Holy Spirit. He's gentle. He doesn't overpower. 
That's why he has languages like convict, lead, guide, help. He comes and invites you to follow him. You can have the the option of saying, no, I'm going to do it my way. And that will only hurt you. So there's a thing called grieving the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit when he's trying to do a work on the inside of you. You know, that attitude, that behavior, that mindset, that will. You grieve the Holy Spirit when you don't walk in obedience to his nudge. But then you can also quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You put out his fire in your life. You know, when the power you've been empowered to do and you fold your hand in rebellion and say, I won't. It surprises me the amount of people that says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you ask him, do you follow him? No. How, do, how are you a follower of Jesus Christ if you don't follow his truths? The Holy Spirit takes his truths and make it available to you. And it's up to you to walk in obedience to him. I can count countless times that I wasn't obedient. That it was the Holy Spirit talking me to me, leading me, guiding me to do. But based on convenience, or I'm not comfortable doing that. Have you ever been there? And I quenched his fire in my life. The power of the Holy Spirit that he wanted to usher through my life. And I shut it down. Be careful that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, after a while, you grieve him so much. You could have a, um, a calloused heart. You know what that means? You don't no longer feel him. He's convicting you, nudging you, and all of that. But you don't, you, you don't sense him. You don't feel him. He, you don't sense the convicting power. There's a callus that has grown over your heart. I pray if anyone under my sound of my breath has that callus, I pray. You know what? The Holy Spirit, he comes to break the yoke. That's what the Bible says. His anointing breaks the yokes. How do we engage him from here? We'll close here. Now that we know more about the Holy Spirit, where do we go from here? Real quick. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in the step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25. We must engage him. Make time for him. Expect him to move. Actually go to him. Got problems, you got issues, you bring them to him. We must hear him. Be open, aware, posture your heart your ear to hear from him he speaks through the scriptures absolutely primarily but he can also speak through other means as well that doesn't uh, go against the word of God we must obey him after we've heard him the more we obey the clearer his voice will become we must walk with him bring him into our day-to-day life challenges that we face bring him into those challenges the difficulties the 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 opportunities that are being uh, presented before us bring because not every opportunity is a god opportunity 
We must bring him into those spaces. We must keep in step with him. What does that mean? Abide in him. He's not a one-off thing. The Bible didn't say go up in the upper room and seek tongues. He didn't say go up in the upper room and seek gifts. Jesus said, go and wait in the upper room for Holy Spirit. Have you been seeking him? Have you been waiting for him? Life seems cold and shut up to you because the wind of the spirit wants to impede. He wants to, to embark upon your life, but you're you're folding your arms, you're with. Listen, you lost a loved one, he wants to come in comfort. Your mind is confused, he wants to bring peace where there is chaos. You have a stronghold in your life, he wants to bring forth deliverance. He is everything, church. And apart from him, we can do really nothing. We must invite him in. I'm going to say a prayer over you in a second. You know, I told the team, I, I don't want us to end on a high. I think sometimes when we close these services with these songs, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we kind of just forget the word that was preached. So I, I, I believe the Lord was saying, Nadine, I want them to reflect on me. I want them to wrestle out this truth. I want them to see, where do I stand with you, Holy Spirit? Have I been quenching you in my life? Have I been grieving you? Have I been depending on me? Am I critical? Am I judgmental? Am I, am I just walking around prickly? No one wants to be around. Am I arrogant, full of myself? He said, Nadine, I want them to reflect. Search their hearts. Do they know me? Who do you say that I am? Am I force? Am I energy? Am I electric, elect, electrical currents? I'm the God, the third person of the Trinity. I'm the helper, the counselor. I'm your lead. I'm your guide. Without me, what do you have? How do I get this Holy Spirit? You cannot have the Holy Spirit without the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, you saying yes to him, is your entry point for the Holy Spirit to come in. You can't reject Jesus and get his spirit. I'm not going to have you come up to an altar. I think everyone in this room just needs to search their heart. Is Jesus Christ truly and online? Is Jesus Christ truly the Lord of your life? I'm not talking about a t-shirt. It's not about a tattoo or you wear a cross around your neck. Does he have lordship? Is somebody hearing this today? Over your life. 
Have you submitted to his will? Has you, have you pondered your way and you realize that the way I'm going is not the way of Christ and you've gotten off that path and got onto the path of Jesus Christ? Have you done that? Have you searched your heart and realized I'm a sinner in need of a savior? He didn't come to condemn. He invites you into relationship. He invites you into relationship. Oh, but I said a prayer when I was at youth group I'm not talking about a prayer <laughs> I came to the altar at revival and I said they led me in a prayer I'm not talking about an event is he Lord so you know what sometimes we think he is Lord and really and truly guess who's Lord you are you make the decisions concerning your life you control you're the destiny maker for your life he's not lord in that so we're going to say a prayer if everyone will just bow their heads there's nothing magical in that we're just reverencing him i want to kind of just you know just kind of make a mark around you it's just you and the lord it's not about your spouse it's not about who you came with you stand before him he, you will not stand with anyone else you stand individually before him you know what it will be one thing if you didn't hear this message today but we are responsible for what we know do you feel stuck just want you to ponder do you feel lifeless void weary Holy Spirit desires to hover over that in your life. Bring order and vitality to what seems formless in you. Maybe you're struggling with sinful patterns and behaviors and addictions in your life. You feel like you cannot overcome. The Holy Spirit says, I am here for the invitation for you to invite me in. Maybe you've been grieving him because of an attitude, a behavior, a mindset. The Holy Spirit invites you to surrender that over to him. Maybe he's confessing that sin, surrendering to God. It could be relational matters. That's in the way. Maybe you've been, haven't surrendered your life to Christ. You've just been coming to church. Watching church online. But he's not Lord. Without his lordship, there is no Holy Spirit in you. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.